Translation. While Kamsa, controlling the reins of the horses, was driving the chariot along the way, an unembodied voice addressed him. You foolish rascal! The eighth child of the woman you are carrying will kill you! So I say, and you can repeat. While Kamsa, controlling the reins of the horses, was driving the chariot along the way, an unembodied voice addressed him. You foolish rascal! The eighth child of the woman you are carrying will kill you. Very good. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The omen spoke of Ashtamo Garbaha, referring to the eighth pregnancy, but did not clearly say whether the child was to be a son or a daughter. Even if Kamsa were to see that the eighth child of Devaki was a daughter, he should have no doubt that the eighth child was to kill him. According to the Vishvakosha dictionary, the word Garba means embryo and also Arbaka or child. Kamsa was affectionate towards his sister, and therefore he had become the chariot driver to carry her and his brother-in-law to their home. The demigods, however, did not want Kamsa to be affectionate towards Devaki, and therefore, from an unseen position, they encouraged Kamsa to offend her. Moreover, the six sons of Marichi had been cursed to take birth from the womb of Devaki, and upon being killed by Kamsa, they would be delivered. When Devaki understood that Kamsa would be killed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who would appear from her womb, she felt great joy. The word vahase is also significant because it indicates that the ominous vibration condemned Kamsa for acting, just as a beast of burden uh, by carrying his enemy's mother. Once again, the verse, uh, the two verses, I'll read them together. <coughs> O beloved son, Maharaj Parikshit, when the bride and bridegroom were ready to start, conch shells, bugles, drums, and kettle drums all vibrated in concert for their auspicious departure. While Kamsa, controlling the reins of the horses, was driving the chariot along the way, an unembodied voice addressed him, You foolish rascal! The eighth child of the woman you are carrying will kill you. Om Ganatamarindasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jenatas Mai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadanti Swabadanti Kam Bancha Kalpata Rubyas Cha Kripas in the Bhibja Patita Nampavanibya Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha. So uh, things are starting to pick up here. Uh, the story is uh, starting to really unwind. Here we are at the wedding, and uh, uh, Kamsa, because he is affectionate towards his sister and uh, brother-in-law, has offered to drive them to home. He's going to take them from the, the wedding, where the, the place where the wedding was, and take them home. So he's driving them along the way. Uh, 
Yesterday we heard about the diary, the dowry and the, the proceedings of, of everything. So now the wedding is over. He's taking the, the married couple home. So uh, everything is just fine. It's a beautiful day. There's been great presents exchanged, vows exchanged, and everything is wonderful. Then out of the sky, some unembodied voice, uh, a voice from the clouds, says, You foolish rascal. No, the eighth child of the woman you're carrying will kill you, you see. So, uh, Kamsa uh, was acting out of affection for his sister. He was carrying her and her, and her brother-in-law, uh, I mean, and her husband, his, his new brother-in-law. He was carrying them. He was going to take them home. So, and he's an envious rascal. So, here he's showing some affection. He's known to be an envious person. Uh, in the next verse... Some in, in in the next few verses, <clears throat> there's at least a brief description of Kamsa. He wasn't a very good uh, character. He's known to be an envious rascal. He's not uh, uh, not exactly a nice person, you see. So here he is showing some affection to his sister uh, by taking her home. Then he hears this voice. You know, she's going to care. She's carrying a child that will kill, or she will carry a child. She will bear a child. Her eighth child will kill you. So immediately he grabs her hair. Oh, that's going to be explained in the in the next verse. With his left hand, he takes her hair and he pulls his his sword. So immediately we see oh, what kind of affection did he have for his sister? You see, it's kind of like um, uh, <clears throat> pretentious. I'm showing. I'm trying to. I'm trying to show. Oh, my dear sister, you and your husband, please let me take you home on my chariot because I love you. You see, it's just some sort of a um, a demonstration. It's um, an act uh, that he put that, he's, that he puts on. So. Um, we can see as soon as he's challenged, though, as soon as the voice from the sky says something that, wow, she, she's going to deliver a child. Her eighth child will kill you. Immediately he wants to kill her, you see. Uh, and uh, her husband, uh, Vasudev, has to beg for her life and negotiate with Kamsa. So if there is any kind of true feeling, how could he possibly change at the drop of a hat like that? From let me let me demonstrate my love for you by giving you a ride on my chariot, and then the next moment he wants to kill her. You see, it's uh, it's easy to understand that this is fake. It's false. You see, in other words, it's material. It's material love. It's not spiritual love. Spiritual love isn't uh, um, something that we can fake. It's not fakeable. Spiritual love happens. Uh, it comes to you, but it's not something that you can fake, you see. Material love never comes to you, and it's always something that you fake. There is no such thing as love in the material concept, you see. We can see here. Uh, as many times we see um, gatherings of people. I remember the hippies. Uh, and sometimes the, the rain, at the rainbow gathering, there are still people like that. And sometimes groups of people get together, and that word love is passed around so much. You know, oh, hey, 
Hey, brother, good to see you. I love you. They're telling everybody, I love you. And so uh, in this material world, it's so easy to pay lip service to that word, to vibrate that word, you see. And some people even take it seriously. They do. When they hear someone say, oh, I love you, they think, oh, ah, this is very wonderful to hear, you see. Uh, why? Because they're, they're, they're just really... Uh, and anxiety to hear somebody say that. You see? They're craving. They're wanting. Please, someone, uh, show me some love. So when someone says this false word, they make this false claim, I love you. They go, oh, at last, somebody, oh, thank you. Well, uh, I love you too. You see, there's this exchange without any, <clears throat> uh, without very, with very little foundation, you see. Um, in the material world, people like to say, well, I love you. You say, well, I love, uh, gee whiz, I love that sweater you're wearing. You know, uh, I love the way you put on your T-lock. You know, I love your cap. I love your glass. I love your hair. I love your nails. I love your car. You see, and I love you. And then, so... It's the same word, but we're talking about so many mundane things. Why is it when someone says to you, well, I love you, that it, all of a sudden it means something? It's because you process it differently in your mind, you see. It's a, it's a, a process of the mind. Because we're wanting to hear it. We're dying for someone to say that to us, you see. So when someone says it, we process it in such a way that, oh, this is wonderful. And we want to believe it. We want to believe it. Uh, but it cannot be believed unless it's spiritual love. Uh, love in the material world depends on, I, I will love you, but I, uh, I want something. I have an ulterior motive, you see. Uh, so it's uh, conditional. I expect something in return. There's a string attached. You know, I'll extend my love to you. What that's, you know, I love you means I'll extend love to you based on whether or not I get back what I'm wanting from you, you see. It's, it's not uh, unconditional, you see. Now, uh, there is so much of this happening, as a matter of fact, that's all that's really going on in the material world, that people become accustomed to it. They don't understand so much this uh, concept of unconditional love. Uh, rarely do we ever see such a thing. Uh, we see it maybe in the mother's mother. She, she has children, you know, she's loving the child. Uh, she's feeding the child, bathing the child, taking care of it, uh, changing its diapers, you see. The mother's not keeping a note, you know. All right, I, let's see, today I bathed you, that's $30. And I fed you, that's $25. And then, uh, oh, let's make that $30 because I gave you an extra helping. And then, uh, oh, changing the diaper, oh, that's a biggie. You know, we're going to have to do $50. You know, and then someday she gives you this bill, you know, like the waitress brings the, the check. So, or when you check out of a hotel, when you leave home, it's like checkout time. You know, your mother says, will that be check or credit card? You know, would you like? You owe $432,924, <clears throat> you see. 
The mother's not expecting any anything in return. She enjoys doing it for her child. Uh, it says in the Chaitanya Tartamrita uh, that the uh, the mother gets so involved in changing in the, the love for the child that uh, the stool and the diapers can smell to her like sandalwood paste. You know, she's not. She doesn't think, "Oh, this is horrible." The mother thinks, "Oh, my loving child." You see, so there is. Uh, that's the only, the closest way we can get to seeing unconditional love in this material world. You see, another somebody may say, "Well, I don't know my grandmother or my grandfather, and I, or I knew this great person." That's true. Maybe you did. You know, maybe there were. But look at the, the six and a half billion other people on this planet, and how many do you think really have unconditional love for anything or anybody? Huh? Very few. The devotees of the Lord are learning uh, how to have unconditional love. Notice I said learning, because just it's like when you go to law school, you don't get your law diploma the first day. You don't get it the first year. Or if you're becoming a, a, a medical student, you know, you have to go how many years is it? Four years, you know. And then you can get <clears throat> some degree. And then you have to take residency and you have, so, you know, so much. So um, when we come to spiritual life, the, it doesn't mean that we're there. It doesn't mean that we've arrived. Now I can practice law. Or now I can practice medicine, you see. It doesn't mean that now, all of a sudden, now I've got it all. I've got unconditional love for Krishna. I have unconditional love for my fellow devotees, my fellow living entities. Huh? It doesn't mean that I've given up all of my um, uh, sinful activities, day one, you see. It doesn't mean that. <clears throat> but it's like... Uh, we go to a hospital. You can go to a hospital and you see that there are many people in the hospital. Some of them have been there a very long time and they've taken tremendous treatment. And they're about to be, um, what is it, released, isn't it? Dis discharged. They're about to be discharged from the hospital. You see, they're almost well. Tomorrow they go home. They're well, you see. So then there are some people that have been there uh, half the, uh, of the time for the, to receive half the treatment, and they're half well. And some people just are, they just checked in yesterday. They were just admitted to the hospital yesterday, you see. So you can't expect the people that are just were admitted to be well. They're starting the treatment. They're starting the therapy. Uh, <clears throat> the people that have been there halfway through the therapy, you can't expect them to be well, you see. The people that are about to be dismissed, we expect them to be well. They're, they've been cured, you see. So Krishna consciousness is a process like that. So uh, one problem we have is sometimes we look around at our fellow devotees and we expect and sometimes even have <clears throat> some demand that they be pure devotees. You know, you've been here for a year. What's going on? Why aren't you Paramahamsa? You know, well, I saw that guy make mistakes, you know, so therefore I'm able to criticize him. I think I will criticize him, you know, 
Because if I, by, when I criticize him, I'm going to show to the world that I know what I'm talking about. You see? I don't, in other words, the way my mind is processing uh, and working at this time is I, I don't feel that I can advance any more than I am right now, but I can sure pull you down. If I can pull you down some, then I don't feel like you're that much more advanced than me. Or if I can push you down, then I feel like I'm more advanced, you see. So this is an indication that we haven't uh, really learned uh, that uh, the, the, the real gist of Krishna consciousness. Uh, the real gist of Krishna consciousness, what we're all attempting to do, is to learn to love the Supreme Lord. And we all know that. We hear that. We hear we're uh, Krishna Prem. That's the object of the game. Huh? The, the, uh, the ultimate result, Krishna Prema. Now we hear that. But we don't really understand. We're not well yet. We haven't learned. We haven't got our degree. We haven't learned yet. What does that mean? What is Krishna Prema? You see, we hear it and we know we need to get it. But we don't really know exactly what it is. So then how do you know when you find it? You see, we need to learn... Uh, what it is. Uh, Krishna Prem means to, to love God, to love Krishna more than yourself, more than anything. To love him so much, not out of fear or not out of respect, not out of awe and reverence, but to love him so much just because he's Krishna. And that there doesn't have to be any other reason. And to love him so much that not only do, are you not expecting anything in return, but it never enters your mind. It's not that you're telling yourself, well, I, I don't want to expect it. No, it just doesn't happen because you're so taken away with your love for Krishna. You see, you're swept off your feet. It's, it's, a, uh, <clears throat> it's dealing with the supreme. <clears throat> Krishna is the supreme, so he's the supreme everything. That makes him the supreme lover. He loves in a supreme fashion, you see. So, uh, and we touched on this Sunday a little bit, and some people have asked me to speak on it a little bit more. <clears throat> so why is it that uh, living entities in this material world and even devotees of Krishna... Uh, sometimes feel, say that they feel, well, I feel unloved. Why is that? Is that a situation? I mean, I think we would like to point fingers sometimes and say, well, I don't, I don't feel I get enough love from the management. You know, I don't get enough love. The GBC doesn't love me. The temple president, he never writes me love letters. You know, he doesn't praise me enough. I don't get enough attention. No one ever tells me you know, anything flattering. Not often enough. And when they do, it seems like they're just joking. You know, so I just, I feel unloved. Now, how can we, how can that possibly be? Logically, if we look at it, how is this possible? Because I, I say, I ask that question not as a rhetorical question, but to get you to wonder, how is that possible that we could feel unloved? 
you see. Because we're loved by the Supreme Lover. We always have been. There never was a time when we, wasn't, when we were not loved supremely. There's only been times when we're not looking for that love, you see. Nor are we um, really interested in it because we've come to this material world to look for love in other places. We're looking to be loved and to have some enjoyment in this material world. And I don't know about you, but that's not working very well for me in the material world. You see, it doesn't work. It's not possible. It's, uh, what are they, getting, it's like getting, trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip. You ever heard that? I don't think they say that anymore, but they used to say things like that. <laughs> yeah, trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip. You know, you, you can't find love in the material world. You can't find water in the desert. You know, if you, uh, if you, if you buy a new boat, you don't take it to the desert to sail. That's foolish. So here we are in the material world. We're looking for enjoyment. Part of that enjoyment, it's not just sense gratification, but we want adoration. We want to be adored, you see. <clears throat> and here we are in the material world wanting to be adored, and everybody here wants to be adored. So we're in a whole world of people who are fighting for the resources, this resource of adoration, love. You know, if there's some on the table, I need to get it before that guy gets it. Or you, you see. So, and every living entity is feeling the same way. Yeah. And here we're dealing with people, and everyone wants to be the center of attention, and they want to be loved. As a matter of fact, not only do I want to be loved, I want to be loved more than the rest of you. I want people to see that I'm loved more than you are. That's what I want. I want more love than you're getting. That way I'll feel even better about myself, you see. This is upside down and backwards thinking. You know, because we're not, we're not uh, that's not our constitutional position. We are givers. We are servants. We're not enjoyers. We're the enjoyed. You see? We are the ones who are supposed to be loving. So you come to the material world and it's upside down. Now things are not working the way they should. So here we are and we're thinking that I have such and such problem. And I've determined that I have this problem. And we've made it a, a, a material problem. Uh, uh, diagnosis of our problem. And also we've come up with a material cure for it. Okay, my diagnosis is I don't feel loved. That's my material diagnosis. My material cure that I prescribe for myself is to find somebody who really loves me. You see? <laughs> and the person right next to you is feeling exactly the same way. And the person on the other side, they're all feeling the same way. Well, I don't get enough. Well, I don't get enough. Well, I'm not getting enough. You know, well, all we need is love. Uh, love makes the world go round. They've written songs about this for thousands of years. It's a common disease we have. Why do we not feel love? Because it's just like, why are we in the darkness? Why can't we see? We've turned our back on the light. We came here. Uh, the love followed us. Krishna's love followed us. 
you see. He came with us. He's he is a Suridam Sura. What is it? Suridam Sarva uh, Bhutanams. Suridam Sarva Bhutanam. He is the best friend of every living entity. He's the Shurid, the Shuridam. Shurid is the best friend. Uh, he's such that Prabhupada says that uh, uh, in one class on that verse, what is that, 529? Yeah. Yeah. He's, Prabhupada says that Krishna is such a good friend that when we leave home, when we up and leave, we, we have uh, a little fit. What do they call it? A hissy fit. You know? Well, I'm, I'm going to go to the material world and I'm going to enjoy. Separate. So Krishna says, okay, I've got a nice world for you. You can go be Lord Brahma, and you can be in charge, and you can be center of attention, and off you go. You know, have a good trip. And then he sneaks along with us as the, as the super soul. Paramatma, he's with us, you see. So we never lost it. <laughs> we just covered our eyes. We stopped. We're not looking for his love. I'm going to go get love from someplace else. As a matter of fact, here I am. Uh, this is, I'm overemphasizing this, but uh, here I am loving you, Krishna. Well, I want to be the one that's receiving the love. I want everybody to love me. You see, instead of giving and serving, I want to be served. Instead of giving and sending the love out to you, I want it coming my way. Mean, meaning that I don't necessarily want to be sending it out anymore. I just want to start receiving it only. That's the, that's the flaw that brings us into the material world. I no longer want to be the sender of love. I want to be the recipient. Now, if you send me enough, well, then I'll be obliged to send you a little bit too. I'll love you for it, but, you know, well, you better, you better keep it coming. Because if it ever stops, then I'm going to an attorney and you're going to have divorce papers. And, you know, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, you see. All of a sudden, it's just like <clears throat> nowadays we hear so many people say, well, uh, I can't stay with my uh, spouse. Why? Well, because my spouse doesn't meet my needs. It's not fulfilling my needs. I'm not fulfilled. You know, have you ever examined your needs? <laughs> you know, any way you can change those needs? You see, it's common. It's common. I'm not trying to run people down. I'm just pointing out that we're off track. We're not thinking properly. We're not applying spiritual logic. You see. Our problem when we feel unloved, first of all, it's really not practical for us to ever feel unloved. We're eternal living entities, eternal ser uh, servants and parts and parcel of Krishna. Every living entity is loved by Krishna. Krishna has the ability to love all of you. He can love you and you and you all as if you were his favorite among all the innumerable living entities. Your relationship with Krishna is that you are his very favorite. Out of all the innumerable gazillions of living entities, you are my very favorite. 
And he can have that same relationship with every one of those innumerable living entities. Now, that doesn't make sense in the material world because you've got to have one favorite in the material world. Krishna is God. He has unlimited favorites, you see. And that's the relationship that we have. And I'm, notice I'm not saying the relationship that we had. It's the relationship we have. We have left him to come here. And he came along with us as super soul. He gave us this material world to enjoy. We just read, uh, was it in the ninth canto, it's dis that's, that's discussed. How this material world is given for us to attempt to enjoy, to live out these desires, to try to be the only one that's loved or the one that's loved more than everybody else, you see. And we already had it. We already had everything we wanted in Gokul. It was already there, you see. So how do we stop this process of uh, feeling unwanted or unloved? We have to start trying to love unconditionally. We have to learn how to do it. We have to love Krishna. And, and, and you can tell. You'll know when you're starting to love Krishna and not just lip, lip service. You know, because you'll start feeling loved. That feeling of, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm just not loved enough will disappear. It'll go away. It'll, you'll, you'll feel it reduce, then you'll feel it go away. And you'll feel completely loved. You just have to understand it's already there. You know, it's just like there are, right now, there are so many uh, radio waves in this room. If we had the proper antenna, we could pick up microwaves, radio waves, uh, you know, there are internet signals. You know, you turn on your computer, it has an antenna, and it tells you there are all these different wireless units. See, well, you can't tell it until you turn on, until you have something. Oh, that will pick them up, you see. So the love is here. We just have to have the proper, we have to learn how to receive it. How do we receive it? Send it. Start to love. And don't expect anything from Krishna. Don't expect anything. Not only don't demand, but don't expect anything in return from Krishna. Just learn how to be satisfied by loving him. You see, get the, take the taste of loving Krishna. That's the end goal. Loving Krishna unconditionally. Krishna prema, the desired success. Remember, we chant that every day. The desired success, Krishna prema. The spiritual master is is is, uh, is has come to give us Krishna prema. You see, that's our goal, Krishna prema. Unconditional, loving, devotional service. That's bhakti yoga. That's the whole game. If we're not dealing on a loving relationship, as Srila Prabhupada ordered us to do, uh, when he, just before he left, he said, uh, you should deal with each other in um, uh, love and trust. You see? He didn't say, well, but only if it's this or only if it's this. He said, no, love and trust. When you start to... Uh, send your love to Krishna, all of your love, 
to Krishna. That means uh, stop looking for it for yourself. I don't know. That's kind of tough, though, isn't it? Because I've been doing this for so many births, this is really hard to turn around. So we have to extend faith, you know. Faith is no good until it turns into knowing. Once you extend faith, faith will turn into knowing if you've extended your faith properly. You see? It's just like uh, someone knows how to fix a computer. They have faith in the beginning that they can fix it. And then they fix it and they realize, hey, that was a piece of cake. Now I know I can fix a computer or a car or whatever. So faith is extended. Faith isn't something you just throw out there. I've had people say, well, faith is just all we have. Well, no, you throw faith out there and it just floats around. No, faith turns into knowing. Now, people who are non-believers don't believe that. They don't believe that faith ever turns into knowing. Some of them believe that that's just all we have, it's faith and hope. No, faith matures into knowing, you see. So, uh, let's have the faith uh, that everything will be okay. Let's have the faith that we're eternal living entities and not these bodies. So we have nothing to worry about. And let's have the faith that Krishna will uh, reciprocate. And let's try to have the faith that we can get to the point where it doesn't matter if he reciprocates. We just want to love Krishna. That's all we want. I just want to love Krishna. And at the same time, we look around, and instead of maybe coming up with some criticisms for some people, we might start to recognize how they're feeling towards Krishna. You know, how do you feel towards my beloved? Oh, you love him too. My love for you just went up 10,000%. Because we, 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 we have the same object of affection. We have the same love, you see. In the material concept, people would say, well, how dare you? How dare you love? I love him. Hmm. You see, I'm even trying to love whoever left this pen in the garland. You see? They didn't, they didn't know. We're not perfect yet. So we can't expect perfection from each other. <clears throat> all, all we can help, all we can ask is please help me. Help me to love Krishna. And look at those around us. And appreciate. Now you may say, well I don't know, this guy over here. That guy over there, he loves Krishna. I don't think he loves Krishna as much as I do. That's, that's bogus. You know? Or I know he's not loving Krishna as much as he could. Well, that's true, but neither am I. You know, none of us are loving Krishna as much as we can. So, let's, let's get off. How do we love each other? Let's stop finding fault. Let's deal in love and trust. Whenever you start to find a little bit of fault or it's, it, the criticism starts to come out, if it's not constructive, 
zip your mouth or grab the words as they come out. Do whatever you have to do. Don't let them get out into the ether. Don't com contaminate. It's very contaminating. You see, grab it. Grab that moment. Stop it. Harness it. Pull back on the reins. Don't let it, because it'll contaminate you first. You see. On the other hand, if we find, uh, if, if we're thinking how someone is playing the redunga so nicely, you see. Uh, it's just, it's just. I'll give you a good for instance. Uh, it's just like this morning, uh, the board wasn't ready. It wasn't written up. You know, the, the verse wasn't written on the board. So I could have gotten very critical. And here I've come to give class. And you mean to tell me you don't have the board ready? You can't do a simple task like that? Harumph. I just don't get any respect around here. But for whatever reason, we needed a little extra time. And other words, we need some teamwork, right? We just need to be... And he's saying, you know, and I'll give you the high sign when I got it done. And So we worked together and we got it done, you see. And it worked nicely. So, before the criticism comes out, we have, let's just work together. He says he can do it. I say, you sure you can do it? Yeah, I can do it. Well, I'll give you the faith. I have faith that you can do it in a, in a very short time. So the faith, the faith turned into knowing. He demonstrated, yeah, I can do it. So it worked. So this is just one little instance of the whole temple. There's so many things that happen in a temple, in a, in a community, in a, uh, an integration of relationships, an interface of personalities. We have to have faith in one another. We have to work with, with each other. And we have to see the positives. If we're seeing the negatives... Uh, unless the negatives are just beating us to death, sometimes there it is. It, there are so many negatives that somebody may throw that they need a, a talking to. You know, they need a little help. You know, it's like you're, you're in the hospital and your, your disease flares up. They have to up your medicine or your therapy or something. You know, that can happen. So sometimes we have to pay special attention to someone who's having a little extra difficulty. Other than that, on a normal day-in-day-out basis, we just have to look at each other with respect and love. You see? If you start loving everybody around you, you will not feel unloved. It's not possible. First, though, as we've said so many times, let's direct our love to the Supreme Lord. That's like watering the root of the tree. Let's love Krishna. And all living entities receive the benefit of our love. You see? So let's love Krishna and then appreciate those around us who are also loving him. And when someone's having a hard time, don't they need your love even more? Isn't it? Instead of the, the material thing is like, it's just like, uh, you know, these, these uh, the wild dogs, the hyenas, when they attack uh, the, uh, the wildebeest or some uh, water buffalo, you see, they may, you know, the water buffalo is very difficult. They may be very tasty and they'd love to eat it, 
But it's very difficult to kill the water buffalo. And the water buffalo is swinging his horns, you know, and the hyenas, they're, all, they're attacking, looking for the, for the beast to get weak and go down. And in the uh, process of defending, the uh, water buffalo may hit one of the hyenas with his horns, you see. And the hyena goes down. He's injured. What happens? The hyenas attack the, the injured hyena. They turn on their own. It's easier to eat this guy. He's wounded. We're, you know, he's just one of us than this big water buffalo. You see? It's animalistic for us to all turn on someone who's injured. It's just not right. How can we feel unloved if we can do that? You see? Something's wrong with the equation. There's some things, this, this, the math doesn't work. I feel unloved, you know. And I'm sure not loving this person here, although they need it now more than they've ever needed it in all of their billions of lifetimes. They're coming, becoming a devotee, they're on their way back to Godhead, and they've stumbled a little bit. And right now they need love more than anything, but to heck with them, I feel unloved. You see? Let's, uh, let's learn to send it out. Let's learn to send the love out. Don't expect anything back. Love everyone else. And I, I promise you, uh, if you'll have faith in that, that faith will turn into knowing that you are loved much more than you deserve. So, all right, it's uh, uh, 8.37. So are there any questions or comments? Arguments? Yes, Prabhu? Sometimes we uh, criticize people for worshiping dogs. Like we say, instead of worship, Prabhupada would say, instead of worshiping G-O-D, they worship D-O-G. But at the same time, we know that people are really serious about their dogs. Because sometimes they may come to the temple and not get any love from anybody <laughs> that they can tell. And then they'll... When they get home, Poochie's all over them, just jumping out of his skin. He's so happy to see him that they're home. So, why would a, couldn't a person think, well, this dog's got, you know, that's where my love's coming from? Well, because uh, part of our contamination that, that made us come to this material world is we want to be the center of attention. We want to be, uh, we want, we really, truth be known, we'd like to be Krishna, you know. Give me a chance in that in that position. You know, vote for me. I'm running for Krishna. You know, so that's our desire. We want that. Uh, pets will some sometimes, many times, most of the time, will make us feel very godlike. You know, I'm so much more intelligent. I'm so much more powerful. I'm the giver. All of your food comes from me. If I don't put water in your bowl, you're going to die of thirst, unless you drink from the toilet. You see what I mean? I am your supreme controller. And you know it, my dear dog. I mean, look at the way the dog acts when I come in. It's like you walk in the door and the dog's like, ah. <gasps> Well, the dog's the only one I have, the only one in the family who recognizes my true value. 
Nobody loves me like my cat or my dog. I'm a little confused on why people keep turtles and snakes. I don't know. I mean, you know, when you walk in the room, the turtle doesn't go. <gasps> yeah. Even though you're giving, you know, the water. You know, but the, the dogs, you're, and even cats, the way they are, they're still like, oh, yes. Like this cat out here, you know. So, why is that? Because they feed our ego. It makes me feel like I think I, they, they treat me the way I should be treated. You know, they're the only ones who really have any true intelligence as far as who is worshipable. Uh, everybody else, they're just not there. They haven't caught up yet. They don't understand, but my dog understands. Does that make any sense? Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. How about uh, Kamsa's wife? Uh, what is she supposed to do? He was such an envious and, uh, you know, cruel person. So what, what do you expect his wife to behave? Give him unconditional love without any reciprocation anyways? You know? Kamsa's wife? Yeah, for a, yeah. Actually, yes. Yes. Now, up to a point, there is a point that uh, there, there's a point to where it's, it's just not practical. You know, there are people who are incorrigible. You know, there, there is a time when a, um, when a relationship's just not going to work. It does, it, it, is, it, it is possible. However, you got to try. You got you to try it. So, yeah, for Kamsa's wife, yeah, she has to give him. Uh, we have to do that with everybody. We have to extend it. Now we find one person like Kamsa. Maybe Kamsa just needs more love. You see? Now I know Kamsa, you're going to say, no, Kamsa was a jerk. He needed to be killed. Well, that's true. But we can't, we can't tell the Kamsas, though. I can't tell. I can't tell. I can see somebody who's... I, I can give you... I don't want to mention any names because I would embarrass them, but there was... There, I, I can think of one devotee right now that used to be a very big problem. Just a huge problem when I was in management here in, the te- in this temple. A huge problem. And we would get toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose. <laughs> you know? And I'm surprised that there weren't punches thrown. But... Uh, you know, I just decided, you know, uh, what is it about this person other than the fact that they don't follow any instructions and they're always challenging authority and whatever. Uh, what is it, other, than, other than that, what is it that I don't like? And I, I tried to see through that and I thought, well, you know, I, this is a likable person. Uh, actually, if somebody's likable, they're lovable. So I just decided to deal with this person and uh, with love and affection and just tell them I care for you, you know, because I do. And today we're very good friends. And we have been for a long time. So he did care for your affection back, right? Yeah, perhaps that's all that was needed. 
you know. Uh, by doing that, you could change the course of someone's life. It's possible. You know, not that I can make some claim that I did, because I did this, now this person's a better person. But, you know, it seems like that's true. Seems like that. So we don't know this potency uh, that we have. Uh, we're, we're able to do this. We're able to cure people. We're able to save people. We're able to uh, soothe a, 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 a hurting heart. We can give this philosophy to someone, and when they, when they can tell that we really care for them, that we truly love them. And this, this word is, uh, in the material world, it isn't understood because there's always some... Um, it's like I was talking yesterday with Mother Linda. We were, she mentioned that love in the material world is a four-letter word. You know? It's got some, some strings attached. You see? It's so, yeah, it's kind of a dangerous word in some ways. So we, we don't understand. Uh, so it's not something that you tell somebody, although we should from time to time. But it's more that you do. You do it. Uh, when you actually direct your love to someone, uh, when you do care for them, <clears throat> and when they start to realize it, then you tell them that you love them, then they can appreciate it. Then they fully understand it, and they don't. Yes, Mother? I have a question. How you can trust back somebody that offended you one too many times? Like, for example, if somebody offended me, and I'm, I'm kind of, like, in, my, in defense or... Uh, doubting that a person is sincere mm -hmm. and wants to get close to me again or something. I really don't want even to deal with it. I don't want to allow it. How you can give it? Because I don't trust. Is it a devotee relationship? Yes. Oh. Uh, I think you have to have a, a talk with them. You know, I think I you need... I want to say hi to Oh. That's my problem. Yeah. Because uh, I don't trust, because I've been offended one too many times, and I'm, I don't trust a thing is tricking or something, or, you know, I don't know how to deal with it. And I yeah. feel bad because I've seen that that person tries, and I'm like, I don't think so. And I feel guilty about it. Sometimes we, we need to, we, to uh, confront. We need to go to them and say, you know, just like you said, you know, um, I'm really trying, and, and you've got to get uh, unemotional. You can't be an emotional thing. Uh, to the degree that we're emotional, to that same degree we're losing our intelligence. You see, we can't be intelligent and emotional at the same time. So we have to be calm and loving. Well, that's tough. See, this is going to be tough. Krishna's going to give us some things that are going to be very difficult. So we have to approach them and say, uh, the best way to, it is to handle this is to say, please forgive me for my offenses. Yeah. Obviously, I've offended you in some way. And you can't say it and it's like, well, it looks like I've offended you in some way. You know, you got to really 
get inside your own head and say, you know, perhaps it's me. And just say, obviously, I've, I've offended you in some way. Please forgive me. And if they say, well, no, I don't forgive you, well, then they have a problem. And then you have to do something else. That person already admitted that she offended me, talking bad about me, even lies. But I am still, like, you know. Yeah, so that's conditional love, though. I'll love you if you don't offend me. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Yes, Prabhuji? Uh, two things that I two things that I had going for me were uh, when I joined was I had an unbelievable amount of faith, just unbelievable amount. No one could shake it, and because it was so strong, it was also without any knowledge. You know, I I went through that. You know, after three months, after you join, you know everything. Yeah. And I made more uh, offenses because of the knowledge I thought I had toward people than, uh, than I was receiving love because of how much I thought I knew. And book learning is one thing, but application is a whole nother strategy. It really is. And it... <laughs> Trust me, if you're surrendered, it'll come like that. But seeing as how we all have the human condition, which is, uh, well, conditional love and uh, knowledge without knowledge or knowledge without wisdom, uh, it took years upon years upon years to actually come to a realization about knowledge and about love. And then I heard this quote by Tamal Krishna Goswami, which is, if I could completely apply it, I'd be a pure devotee. But, you know, little, little steps. And, and the quote was, be uh, conservative with yourself and liberal with others. Hmm. And you have to understand, the first 20 years I was in the Hare Krishna movement, uh, it was conservative with myself and conservative with others. There was no liberal there. So, and Srila Prabhupada would always say time, place, and circumstance. And when I was very young, I didn't mind getting heavied out. And I didn't mind dishing it out. But that meant you had to take it too. And uh, I didn't mind. I was in the army, you know. I, I wore the saffron, and I felt really good about being that way. And I felt really good about uh, being told what to do. I felt really good when I was yelled at, too. And, and let me tell you something. I don't know if there's any brahmacharis in here, but when I joined, there was, you, didn't, you didn't talk about You didn't even say, I don't want to do the service. You just did it. Mishra, Mishra Bhagavan was in that army. Yes, yes. Radha that's Dandar. right. When I was told I was going on book distribution, I said, I don't, I don't do books. And they said, well, then you're going to feed us. You know, there's always something you can do. So 
as the years progressed and I moved out of that ashram into Grihasta Ashram and I started getting some realization about unconditional love and and being liberal with others and conservative with myself. And I always noticed whenever I was offended by someone, I had already offended somebody myself. Every time. And then a very, very wise brahmachari named Vedavyas up in Vancouver said, and I'll never forget this because I don't like what he said, but it is so true. He said, oh, you're offended? Well, the real offense is to take offense. And I never understood that. Well, I, I do now, but I didn't understand that for the longest time because how... Well, if I'm offended, how is that offensive to take the offense? Well, because uh, we're showing conditions to our loving exchange with other, other Vaishnavas. Well, and we could be puffed up, too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you know. my head is giant. I can't believe I fit through that door, even when both of them are open. And <laughs> I, I realized that if I take the teachings of the Vaishnavas... So the the one I really like is 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 being told. Well, if you have a problem with another Vaishnava, there's a very simple thing you could do: love them from afar. Just give your obeisances and love them from afar, because everything is worked out over time. You know, and sometimes time is twenty years. Because when you think about our teachings. Time is nothing. It, 20 years is nothing. In the spiritual world, it is absolutely nothing. And in the hellish planets, 20 years could be 20 million years. So we've got to think on this earthly plane, 20 years really isn't that long, especially when you're talking about life in a material body. And if it takes your whole lifetime to get over something like that, well, you've actually succeeded. Yeah, but it shouldn't take, uh, it, it's a waste of your life to, uh, and, and it, in this situation, it's a waste of your precious life, your precious energy to let that, something like that bother you. Because here we are, we're, we're drowning in this ocean of, of supreme love. We just, uh, we don't know it, <laughs> you know. Um, it's like the lotus flower, you know, the lotus leaf. It's in the water, but it's like it doesn't know it's in the water because it's not wet. So here we are drowning in this ocean of love, and, and, and we, don't, we don't know it. I mean, we're in it, but we don't know we are. We just have to uh, open our eyes, open our, our consciousness to that. And... Uh, it's like he was saying, it may take time, but we just have to not focus on it. You just have to tell, you know, what I tell myself a lot uh, is get over yourself. When I find like, well, this isn't to my liking, get over yourself. Well, that Prabhu didn't do what, well, get over yourself. Well, this prasadam isn't the way I, well, get over yourself. You know, you have to train yourself. It's just like if you're driving a, uh, uh, a horse-drawn cart, you know, and the horse wants to go this side of the road to eat the grass or this side, you have to maybe tap him with the stick a little bit, you know. 
You've got to keep them going straight. So you have to do that with your mind. You have to say, my dear mind, you know, try to find some fault with ourself. That's not very palatable, I know, to hear. But try to find fault with ourself and just say, I'm not going to let this bother me. I choose. I have free will given by the Supreme Lord. That makes your free will very valuable. It's a gift from Krishna himself, free will. So therefore, I choose to use my free will to look at this a different way. I am going to see this a different way. And my dear uh, uh, offending devotee, (laughs) I choose to not let this bother me. I choose to love you and... uh, and I'm, I'm not concerned about you loving me back because I know in time you will. In time we're all going to be liberated. We'll be back in the Gokul and we will all love each other unconditionally. And we're on that path. So uh, my, my, my dear person, I'm not going to let this interfere with our serving Krishna together. You might want to keep a cautious eye, you know, but uh, let it let it go. When you get to where you can do that, oh, this freedom that you get. You feel like you've, you've get this weight goes off you when you can let it go, let things go. Yes, Prabhu? You were mentioning a rainbow gathering, how everyone is saying that they love each other. Yeah. So there was a person named Harry Hugs. And he would walk around saying, free hugs, free hugs. And he would go around hugging people. So in 2002, or it could have been 2003, <laughs> Mr. Harry Hugs got an argument with, with somebody else and he killed him with a shovel at the Rainbow Gathering. <laughs> free, free shovel. <laughs> I told you I love you, man. <laughs> you know. So, all right, are there any more questions? We should go take breakfast, I think. I'm keeping everybody from breakfast. So, thank you all so much. All glories to Shil Prabhupada.